Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. Here in the Northern Rockies, dark winter months are outlasted in basements, dens, and nooks where kindred souls gather together to share intel, swap fly patterns, and relive the memories from seasons past. This gathering spot known locally as the February Room is the inspiration for this podcast. No matter the season, the door is always open to those with a fly fishing story to tell. Brought to you by CD Fishing USA the North American distributor for composite development fly rods and accessories. 40 years of Kiwi ingenuity and graphite technology now available at cd-fishing.us or your local CDUSA dealer. Follow us on Instagram, YouTube, and Facebook. And remember to go fishing. Here's your host, the Carnops, and this is the February Room. I often talk on this podcast about my love of the Northwoods. But it's not just the scenery that makes it special to me. It's the people that live there, my family. I don't come from a big family, but was very grateful to inherit some step cousins. One cousin in particular was my favorite. The jokester, the funny guy, who at age 40, his favorite cereal was Lucky Charms. Despite his charismatic, bubbly personality, he had a very ugly truth. He was an addict, and this past summer, he passed away to alcoholism. (laughs) leaving a void for the family who loves him and his two boys who cherished him. Addiction is non-discriminatory and reeling in recovery's mission is to celebrate life free from drugs and alcohol addiction through the spiritual connection of fly fishing. I'm so excited to talk today with Andy Weiner, the president of reeling in recovery. And <laughs> I told you I was like, not going to try and um, not try and tear up, but it's a harsh reality that um, a lot of families and friends deal with people that they love that um, are addicts. And unfortunately, some people pass away from those, from their addiction. 
And so I'm super excited to chat with you, Andy, about as somebody who else has had family members um, who struggled with it. I'm very happy to be back talking with you. Thanks for having me. Yes. And, you know, (laughs) we always start the podcast with a fly fishing story. And I think in truth of what reeling and recovery is trying to do is to establish a spiritual connection with fly fishing. Let's, let's hear fly fishing story. Okay. Um, and actually, uh, earlier this year, before I took one of my vacations, you and I were in touch about the possibility of getting together up in Missoula, um, yes. which didn't happen, unfortunately. But um, I took that trip with my girlfriend, Jana, who is just learning to fly fish over the last couple of years. And like so many of us, she's just so enthusiastic about it. Um, and I think one of the things that um, happens to most anglers where they've had a good experience somewhere some year and they are dying to get back to that exact spot. Um, and if you happen to have somebody you care about with you, you're just so excited to take them to that spot and hopefully have that same kind of success. So I had fished in the Bitterroot last year and had just a fantastic, fantastic trip. And there was a particular pool, I kind of forget what, what access spot it was, um, I think maybe just north of Victor. Um, and I had, had fished a pool and caught just these amazing, amazing cutthroats. And I was so excited to take her there. And we parked in the, the access parking lot and put on our waders and crossed the, the bridge. And looking from the bridge to the, the side channel where I was so eager to fish, there was a moose standing in my pool. Um, and so I figured, well, we're not gonna fish that pool right now. Um, and the water was actually quite a bit lower than it had been. Um, so it, it wasn't quite as um, inviting as it was last year. And I think I caught one fish in that pool or just upstream uh, later that day when the moose had moved on. But we fished all over the Bitterroot Valley. We fished the East Bitterroot. Um, we were threatened by some extremely aggressive um, longhorn cattle by the, the East Fork <laughs> of the Bitterroot. Um, caught some amazing fish in the Salmon River down in Idaho and, and fished the, the Big Wood, um, which I had never fished before and just had such a great time. And Jana got to catch the very last fish of the trip in a pool that I had found. Um, and she was just so thrilled. Um, so looking forward to more and more trips with her. Was it another cutthroat? Uh, this was actually just a rainbow, um, but it was a nice rainbow. And there were, there's a bridge right over where we we're fishing and somebody happened to walk over the bridge right after she had caught it. And she was just shouting up at them. I just caught a fish. I just and the guy <laughs> was up there and said, Yep, we know this pool and we know some of the fish by name here and we love to catch them. <laughs> it, was they always, just, it was fantastic. They always got to one up you like, yeah, nice job catching the fish. But actually, we we, we give those fish names. So um, exactly. you just caught Hank, exactly. you know, as any angler, we're like, yeah, we already know how many fish are in there. Not only do we know the fish, we give them names. <laughs> yep. True Montana. 18 times already. It's, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, let's let's talk about reeling in recovery. Can you give a little bit synopsis of what what is it exactly? Um, you know, there are so many great nonprofits um, that use fly fishing as the mechanism for healing, um, casting for for recovery, and Project Healing Waters fly fishing, 
the Mayfly Project, um, these organizations that take people out on fly fishing retreats to give them that, that um, sense of serenity and, and healing. Um, and Reeling and Recovery uses fly fishing as a mechanism for those who are working their sobriety, whether from uh, alcohol or from drugs, um, and to put them in a safe environment where they feel um, no pressure to consume alcohol or consume drugs. Um, there is a little bit of a, a recovery aspect to um, the retreats where there's kind of a meeting as you would have in, in AA and there, there's conversation and we have a recovery expert on our board. And then there's some basic fly fishing instruction and then there's fishing and we get some great volunteers to come out and, and help the, the participants. And it's just, it's a really great day for everybody. There's a sense of um, peace and as I said before, serenity and, and that sense of giving that the volunteers get to have as well. It's a great, great time. Well, and like before this podcast, we talked about, um, I feel that I think it's honestly safe to say that um, I also grew up, uh, what we have in common is I saw in your post that you said, you know, you had your father who was 47 years sober. I've also had a dad who's addicted to opioids. And um, sometimes it's really what we talked about social media. What is so great about it is that there's this platform where people talk about it and their journey. And, you know, it used to be kind of, you know, you go to Christmas parties or New Year's or any kind of events and you'd skip over the the person <laughs> that was obviously maybe a problem. And um, now I feel like there's these amazing resources where people are okay to talk about addiction and ways to make that to come together. And you talk about fly fishing um, as being a way of being a recovery. And I've had Project Healing Waters come on. And what they're able to say is that people who deal with traumatic brain injury, and I imagine there's going to be some kind of similarity to that, just tying the knots or like doing these small things is a way for the brain to work these connectors that they normally don't connect with. Yeah. And so it's just really interesting to see addiction being part of that, that recovery. And just like you were talking about, like your father was an addict for, was it 47 years? Well, he was sober for 47 years, but he, he had started drinking probably at the age of 14 or so. And he drank heavily for, gosh, I'm, I'm thinking at least 35 years. Um, and my experience with him um, as a kid, it was it was terribly traumatic, and it gravely affected our family. And to this day, um, you know, I, my father stopped drinking when I was 13 years old, but the shadow of his alcoholism still is cast on my family. I'm 65 now, um, so that's that's 52 years um, that. His sobriety existed, and those those years before that, where our family was just shattered by his his episodes and his um, disappearances and his blackouts and all those terrible things that happen to you when you're an alcoholic, it never goes away. Um, it yeah. affects how you live every day of your life. And and I'll I'll be honest, um, there is a very very close friend of mine, one of my oldest friends, best friends in the world who just recently um, 
another friend and I felt that the only thing that we could do right now was to speak with him to address his drinking. And it's one of the hardest things I've ever done with somebody who I love so much um, to sit down and have that conversation and tell him how much we were concerned about him. Um, and the, the great thing is that he heard us and he understood. And hopefully we're going to start taking those small steps that can lead to healing and to lead to sobriety. And talking about like, is reeling in recovery going to be part of that process you think for him? Honestly, no. Um, <laughs> he, he's not somebody who, and, and honestly, where I live, the access to quick fly fishing, great fly fishing, it's just not here. I think for him, it's going to be probably Alcoholics Anonymous um, and some medical care. And I think that's going to be the, the best way for him to address it. Um, but if at some point he wants to go fly fishing with me, I'm there. Um, I, I will go fly fishing with him. I, I've told him I'll go to any AA meeting that he'd like to go to. Um, and I just want to be as supportive as I possibly can. Absolutely. Which we talked about before. You're the president of an organization that helps addicts, but you you are not an addict. No. Um, I, I do have the example of my father and others in my life that sort of, to some extent, kept me from overdoing drugs and alcohol. Um, alcoholism and, and drug addiction are illnesses. Um, and sometimes, despite one's best intentions, uh, addiction happens. Um, and I just feel very lucky that um, I'm not in that situation. And um, I do know other people in my life. And, and you know, we were talking before about um, how there's addiction in your family, there's addiction in my family. I don't think that there's a person in the world who within one or two degrees of separation is not affected by addiction in some way. I completely agree. In the beginning, when you're younger too, you feel like you're the only person that has this dealing with this hardship. And I always wonder, cause my, um, my father loved the outdoors. He, I mean, he's still alive and he's, he's sober now, but I just wonder if he was, he was a fisherman, he was a crab, he was in Boston. He like worked on crab boats. And, um, I wonder if there was the resources back then, um, you know, it, it would have been different for him. And I think it's, and especially, unfortunately, to the to my cousin who had passed away, who was left two young boys. He loved the outdoors, and um, I think the fact that there's just more we're talking about it, and especially as people, because I also I have glasses of wine. But if there's a way that I can be a resource to help people and get them on their sobriety journey, as you said, like, cause I imagine that the reason why you're the president is because of the experiences that you've had with your father. I'll, I'll sort of give you the whole story of, of how I came to the organization and I'll explain how I came to be president of the organization. Um, because of my children's book down by the river, which we spoke about the last time that we spoke, um, I did a tremendous amount of re, uh, outreach to different people in the fly fishing world and the outdoor world and in the, the um, nonprofit world. And one of the people who I met was a, a woman named Rebecca Klein who worked for the Chattahoochee river keepers in Georgia um, and uh, donated a couple of books to her organization. Um, and we established a relationship on LinkedIn as well as on Instagram. And the first magazine to review my book was the Dunn, 
Dunn magazine, which was Jen Ripple's magazine that was primarily um, aimed at women fly anglers. Um, And it's such a fantastic uh, magazine. And I subscribed and I, I, I subscribed to so many magazines. It's ridiculous. And I have a stack and then, I went over to the stack one day and there was a, an issue of the Dunn that I hadn't re- read yet. And I opened it up and I was going through it and reading articles. And there was an article about a group of women who had gone on a fly fishing retreat to work their sobriety. And everybody in the, the um, article was anonymous. The photographs were taken from behind. And there was a photograph in the very middle of the magazine with a woman holding one of the sort of iconic books of the fly of the recovery movement in her hands, covering her face. And the book is called a day at a time. And that book actually was written by my father. Um, after he became sober, he wrote a novel about alcoholism. He wrote a nonfiction book about alcoholism. And then he wrote a series of recovery books and a day at a time was the first one that he wrote. And I, I looked at that picture in the magazine and you know, you were talking about getting emotional. I basically broke down in tears looking at that photograph, thinking about my father and his struggles with alcohol and the fact that he had helped so, and literally millions of people um, with his writing. And I posted about it on Facebook and I posted about it on Instagram. I said, I I just was so moved to see this Mm. in the magazine. And Rebecca, Rebecca, as we call her, reached out to me on Instagram and she said, I just wanted to tell you that's me in that photograph. And just to, to be clear about anonymity, she, she broke her anonymity um, in her dealing with um, reeling and recovery. So it's okay for me to mention the fact that she had shared that with me. And she, the other thing about Becca, she's this extraordinary woman who sadly is suffering from stage four metastatic breast cancer. So in addition to being a sober person um, and working her sobriety, she's been dealing for several years with cancer treatment. And she's just so strong and so phenomenal. And um, we all feel like the, the chances of her getting through this are, are really high because she's just yeah. such a fighter. And there, there have been several films about her. One um, called, I think it's Becca, Water is Life. And it won the Fly Fishers International Film of the Year. Um, and I can share the, a link with you afterwards. Yeah. But it's just this amazing, amazing short film about um, her alcoholism and her cancer and how fly fishing, um, the moment she started fly fishing, it, it clearly was um, um, a, a resource for her and um, a place of strength and serenity and it's done so much for her and that was what inspired her to uh, start reeling in recovery and she started with a gofundme and she was doing some organization and had some local people she's uh, out in georgia in the atlanta area and has a really great group of friends who are also also sober and are also fly anglers and that was sort of the core of the organization and then they started to build the board and she reached out to me and asked if I would be willing to be on their board because of my father's alcoholism. And I said, with you asking, of course, I would be happy to do that, you know, as wow. a tribute to you and as a tribute to my father. 
Um, and then as more board members came on, um, she reached out again and she said, I'm going to nominate you to be president of the board if you're willing to do that. Um, and I was just taken aback and humbled. I do have some nonprofit experience. I actually worked at um, a nonprofit called California Trout as a development director, and I've been on several nonprofit boards, but I've certainly never been the president of a board. Um, and we discussed the fact that most of the people in the organization are sober, um, but that I'm not. And she said, you have experience with um, addiction in your family, and we're comfortable with this. And if you are, we're good to go. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Um, wow. And we received our 501c3 uh, certification as a nonprofit, I believe, back in August. And we've had one fly fishing retreat so far. And it's just been a great experience. Um, you put together a group of people who don't necessarily know each other very well, and they don't know how they're going to work together. And it's just been extraordinary. And we're so proud of how far we've come in just, you know, five months or so. Um, it's really, how really many people, inspiring to us. How many people are in the retreat? Uh, the retreat, um, there were 10 people signed up and a couple of people dropped out. So it was eight people. Um, and it's going to vary from retreat to retreat. In 2023, we have four retreats coming up, um, two in Georgia, one in Pennsylvania, and one in Colorado, which is the one I'll get to go to. And then they have at least one person to work with each participant, um, plus some other volunteers as well. And are these um, active people who are so like trying to be sober? Because you're not taking people who are like day one of their sobriety exactly. journey. Yeah, what, what we're um, asking is that participants be sober um, and working their sobriety. Um, I've actually gotten some questions from people who are so inspired by what we're doing and so interested, um, particularly for family members. And in some instances, the family member is not sober and they're, they're trying to be, and um, particularly for the one in Pennsylvania. Um, and I said, I, you know, I wish I could say that we could have this person be a participant, with, but they really do need to be um, sober and, and taking that journey because I don't think that we're trained in the way that um, somebody would need to be to um, be a, a caregiver of that kind. Um, right. This is the next are, step. Uh, exactly. Exactly. And I like on the website, you say it's the spiritual connection of fly fishing, because mm -hmm. if there's anything that when, when you're going through anything really hard to have a group of people that you can rely on. And I imagine if they're with a group of people who are going through the same hardship of addiction, I don't know what that feels like. Um, I've, I've witnessed it and it's really hard to see. So um, as much as you're trying to understand somebody, you cannot possibly understand what an addict is trying to go through. And I think as what we try and process as people who seen people who are addicts is, you know, they love you and they aren't trying to hurt you. It's just something that is really, um, it's in their, it's, it's like they're addicted. I mean, they're, it's in their blood. And I, um, we talked about this because when you came on the podcast last time, the last story that you told was, 
you know, I'm always like, Hey, tell us another fishing story. And you shared that one of your favorite fishing stories was fishing with your dad. And you, you know, you got, you were like a little choked up about it. And, you know, now even hearing more about like, what was the background of what made that so special? It's just, there's so much layers to people. And I just found that so beautiful, like and opening up and talking about it makes me be like, oh my gosh, we're, we're all not alone in this. And nor are people who are struggling with addiction, whether it's, you know, pills, alcohol, whatever. It's just, um, I just think it's so beautiful what you guys are doing. I think community is such an enormously important part of um, working or sobriety, becoming sober. Um, I had the opportunity with my father to attend probably half a dozen alcoholic Alcoholics Anonymous meetings. Um, and I think one of the reasons why AA works so well is it is a community of people who have experienced um, a similar journey, if not exactly the same journey. Um, and in AA, you know, each, um, each attendee gets a sponsor. And that, that person is the person you can turn to when you're having a crisis, when you're having a moment of weakness. Um, and I think that these fly fishing retreats can build that kind of community as well. Um, and it, as you said, it is that importance of recognizing that you're not in this alone, um, that others are sharing this experience. And the great thing is that then you get to share this really beautiful experience of fly fishing with these people. Um, I think it's pretty hard to beat. It's it's the best. Without a doubt. And are these retreats, they're free, right? Did I? They're free retreats. And I should actually mention that all the retreats, the, the retreats are 100% free. Um, and Reeling in Recovery is a 100% volunteer organization. Um, the staff, um, which right now is a staff of six people, um, they receive no compensation for their work. Um, they're all employed otherwise. Um, the board receives no compensation. It's just a labor of love. And you know, the fact is that everybody at, at this organization works so hard at their real job. And then to find the time to dedicate to basically creating a brand new nonprofit and doing all the work that that entails, whether it's you know doing budgets and creating um, a five-year strategic plan um, and doing marketing and merchandising and all those things, it's just, it's kind of never ending. And the fact that everyone is so willing to just do it because they so passionately believe in the cause and the mission of the organization and they love fly fishing to me is the the true strength of the organization. You guys amaze me because I'm volunteering for my son's basketball team and it's just two times a week. And I'm like, how am I capable of doing something like this? And think it's, it's almost over. It's done. It's just done in a month. But to be able to contribute, to keep showing up and making time and reaching out. And also, I'm sure you, like you've said, you've had people reach out to you personally and sharing their experiences. Like you're also like hearing people's life stories. And yes. that that is um, that, that is so amazing and selfless. And it's people... Whenever I've just went and saw my friend, she's like, gosh, you know, I just feel like the world doesn't feel right. I'm like, you know, but there's good people doing good things around you and the nature around you. If you can stay connected to nature and you focus on the good things, life is really beautiful. 
And I think this spiritual connection that you're trying to connect people to get outside, hey, you know what, I feel like I want to, you know, whatever their addiction is trying to lead them to, to connect them spiritually to something tangible outside is so valuable. It's very interesting, in particular, in the, in the outdoor world, where hiking, biking, fly fishing, all of skiing um, is used as a mechanism for advertising, for selling products. And one of the products that uses the outdoors so broadly is, you know, beer in particular. <laughs> uh, and, you know, brew pubs. And, and um, I think that is one of the things that is so challenging for a person trying to work their sobriety and to try and be comfortable in that environment where perhaps alcohol or pot or anything is such a part of the social aspect of that activity. Um, and so with our retreats, there certainly is no drinking and there certainly is no smoking and, and right. any substance. Um, we had the experience, um, Early on, we were contacted by Bo Beasley, and Bo is the the organizer of the Virginia Wine and Fly Fishing Festival, which is such a hugely popular event. And Bo reached out and he said, I would really love to have you come and exhibit at at my show. Um, And, uh, you know, we were so grateful for the opportunity because within the, the context of that show, for somebody who is sober, to be able to have a little bit of an oasis to come over to our booth and um, talk to some sober people and um, not be overwhelmed by the focus of alcohol at that yeah. show. It's a really beautiful thing. We're really grateful to Bo for that opportunity. Let's include by having sober options. It's not like let's just go to the wine festival and let's drink beer. And then there's happy hour afterwards. Like there should be like, hey, let's have some different options other than, because it is fly fishing. I'm not going to lie. I like to have a beer after I go fly fishing. And I do know that for, you know, I have some other people I know that, you know, that must be really hard. Like getting, if you're so used to that being your habit, like getting off the river, having a beer. One of the, the companies I've discovered um, in the last couple of months that I would love to do some work with um, is a company called Athletic Brewing, I believe is the, the name of it. Mm-hmm. And they are very outdoor focused and all of their products are non-alcoholic. Um, and it's their, their ambassadors are skiers and anglers and um, runners and bikers. And it's just great that that's their focus. And um, my impression is that they are extremely successful and I can only imagine they're going to get more successful as more and more people discover them. Yeah. Yeah. What is your goal for like the next, where where do you see reeling and recovery in the next year or two? Like, what is your goal? We would like to increase the number of retreats that we're doing. Um, So as I mentioned, we have four coming up uh, in 2023 and I know in 2024, we'd love to to double that. um, And, uh, make them more sort of geographically um, dispersed. Um, we'd love to do something. Actually, I had an offer recently um, from somebody to host um, a retreat up in the maybe the Western Idaho, Eastern Washington area, um, which would be fantastic. Um, it'd be great to do something in Montana. I mean, the, the, the thing about 
the United States is that there's so many amazing places to fly fish. And I think as more and more people um, learn about us, um, there are going to be more people um, really eager to host an event where they are. Um, There's somebody who reached out to us about the Fall River here in California, um, which is just an amazing Spring Creek. And it would be just fantastic to, to do an event there as well. Um, you know, we'd like to grow our board. We definitely like would like to add some people to our staff um, as, as we grow and as our finances grow. It obviously gets more and more complicated. Um, and there's so much burden right now, particularly on Becca, and we would love to take some of that burden off of her. She's, she's our inspiration and she is our, um, what's the word I wish? She's our keystone. We just, we love her and um, we don't want to burn her out. That's for sure. No, um, no. And, and as I mentioned, she is working with her, her healing from her illness as well. So um, we just want to take care of her as best we can. But, you know, Maybe someday we'll do something internationally as well. I had a, an email from Susan Krupa, who um, runs the Mayfly Project in the UK. Um, oh, wow. And she saw one of my posts and she said, oh, I was just thinking we should try and do something like that over here in the UK. And I said, someday we can do it. Um, we'd love to do some collaboration with other organizations. I think there's a strong possibility that we will do a collaboration in 2023 with Project Healing Waters. Um, I think it's a, a you know a perfect connection. I think that so many veterans um, do have substance issues, um, and to be able to give the benefit of both the traumatic stress healing and the the um, substance healing in the same same type of event would be really beautiful. Um, so I'm hoping that that's going to come to fruition. Um, and I should mention when we were starting to create our material for our retreats, you definitely need um, a handout for participants. You also need a handout for the volunteers and staff, just sort of instructions, information, um, and to create those things whole cloth would have been extremely challenging. Um, and, because of my book, I've um, created some friendships with some people at Casting for Recovery, which helps women with breast cancer. Um, and they're just such a great organization, such great people. So I reached out to my closest friend there and asked if they could give us any guidance in terms of creating our material. And she connected me with somebody else at the organization, and they basically gave us their material so that we could adapt it for our program. And to me, that's just the, the generosity of the people who are, are working to help others um, personified. I, I just was so um, blown away that somebody would be that generous and I just can't thank them enough. Well, I think when people are trying to do good things, that people are more than willing to open their hearts out and make, you know, make something come together. I was going to ask Andy, so the fly fishing, is it more catered towards like beginners or is it more for also maybe like, cause I mean, there's expert fly anglers who deal, who deal with addiction and maybe are just trying to figure out a new community to join in that sober journey. So is there like different, I guess, skill sets? Cause no, you know, if you have an expert fly angler, are they going to want to sit there and learn how to do a blood knot? 
I could learn to use to be a blood knot myself. <laughs> what I would say is, you know, I think that there's flexibility within each, each retreat. Um, and if somebody is a completely new angler, they will get those lessons about knot tying, um, some information about the life cycle of the food that trout or whatever fish is, is resident to the waters, whatever they would be feeding on. Um, but if there was somebody who were more expert, um, I think that there would be flexibility where somebody could more quickly hit the water with their, their guide um, and skip some of the basic information that we'll be giving people. I think we have to uh, embrace everybody, regardless yes. of their fly fishing level. E- even people who are better than I am, they're welcome. You know, it's fine. <laughs> I, have my be the one. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Cause, um, I also wonder like within this community, um, say there's somebody in Montana who's like, you know what, I'm newly sober. I need to go. I want to go fishing, but I don't want to go with my other friends because, you know, it's a boat full of beer and I just don't want to be part of that scene anymore. I just wonder if there's like a list of people that you guys can connect them with. Like, Hey, you know, this person would be a great person to go with. Cause I know you said it's about building community and sometimes there's so many people in your neighbor, in your neighborhood that you're like, wow, this is another person that we can relate with on the river. You know, honestly, I don't think that that was something that had been um, thought about previously, but it's a fantastic idea. Um, and we have been putting together a contact list and people who are interested in volunteering and, if there's not a scheduled retreat in an area, I think connecting sober anglers um, would be a fantastic goal. So right? um, thank you for that idea. <laughs> I love that. Well, you know, it's just, you know, I think sometimes addiction can be hard when you're going to weddings at a different place and you're like, yeah. hey, maybe if I had somebody that I'm like, hey, tomorrow morning, I'm going fishing with him after this wedding that, you know, everyone's having partying and drinking and, you know, just have these options. Um and I just think it's just so great that we're talking about it because like we both said, families have been affected by this. And I just think it's what you guys are building is a community that is so, so di- it's so different that um, just different options. You know, I know you said AA is very popular, but sometimes maybe it's not the way that they want to do. And maybe this more outdoor based um, of sobriety is the way that that could work for some people. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mentioned my friend who um, is going through his his um, alcoholism issues, and um, my goal with him is to try and find whatever tool works for him. Um, and knowing his personality, AA may not be for him. Um, right. And uh, flexibility is so important. Um, actually, I want to sh- I want to share another um, anecdote, something that happened in the last couple of weeks as we really came into our sort of end of year fundraising. Um, and I posted on Facebook, you know, many many times about this organization. And um, I guess one of my posts a few weeks ago spurred some interest in somebody I met through the book, somebody who is very high profile within the fly fishing world. Um, and this person was interested in uh, having a conversation, getting more information. And so I was called by this person. And the first thing that was shared with me was 
concern that they in fact were an alcoholic um, and you know discussing their drinking and it was a really extraordinary moment for me um, uh, you know first of all it's extremely humbling for somebody to take you into their confidence um, and it's a tremendous responsibility um, and I realized that working with this organization um, situations like this are going to occur more often. Um, and we had a, a very long conversation. And at the end, I, I said, you know, if you are thinking about this as an issue for yourself, I would say the chances are very good that you do have um, a substance problem. And I really encourage you through Reeling in Recovery and through every other resource um, at your disposal to really pursue your sobriety. It, you know, I hung up the phone and I, you know, I was so moved by the fact that I had been contacted this way. Um, somebody I, I have so much respect for. Um, it, was, it was really, as I said, humbling. And um, I just think what you guys are doing is, I, I feel that if my cousin was was still around, I think that this would be something that he would have benefited so much from. And I think it's still really hard to talk about addiction, even though, cause sometimes we see those people still falling and failing and you just think, Oh, I hope they get their act together. But to be able to provide resources for people that we love and some different avenues, right? Like I think there's, that's the best thing you can always do is be like, here's some resources that I know about and something that celebrates the outdoors and um, something that you can access, I think is so beautiful. And um, I just, I just wish you guys all the best of luck. And I think what you're really doing, providing that much time, um, like I said, it takes a lot of time um, on anything and taking that away from other things that you could be doing like fishing um, is just a really beautiful thing. And I think you're going to be changing a lot of people's lives, not just with just this one retreat, but in the future. So on that note, um, maybe there's some listeners right now, maybe they have some friends, family, or maybe it's themselves that are maybe starting to think like, Hey, this is the new year. It's 2023. I'm going to make some life changes. What's the best way for them to reach out? Um, first off, they probably have to make that decision to be sober before like joining the reeling recovery. Mm -hmm. But how do they go about? Um, our website is reelinginrecovery.org. Um, it's reeling with two E's, uh, of course, because we're fishing. Um, <laughs> and if they're looking for information, the email that they can um, reach out through is info at reelinginrecovery.org. Um, and somebody will get back in touch with them very quickly. Yeah, we would love to hear from people. And we are obviously are looking for volunteers as well. Um, and just to be blunt about it, we are absolutely looking for um, donations of, of support as well, um, whether they are financial or um, gift in kind contributions that we can use for fundraising. Um, because of my career in book publishing and um, the people I've met through my, my book in the fly fishing world, I have a lot of amazing friends who are um, jewelry makers and artists and um, craft people, rod makers, um, and um, 
we've received some really wonderful um, gifting to kind donations that actually are, are available right now um, for contributions at various levels and they're unique items so the the person who makes the contribution they get that item um, there's a pair of trout earring made earrings made by katie Kahn, who is, is an amazing jeweler um, has a company called dirt road wares um, and she's a, a big friend of the organization and a friend of, of mine and they're just gorgeous earrings um, we have a print from an artist named mary beth meeks um, which has four species of trout on it and it's just gorgeous um, I have a box of flies that were tied by a young man at my local fly shop with 20 flies where he has um, five different um, types of flies and he has two of each fly in the early stage of their life and then in the adult stage. And I think it's such a thoughtful um, way to create a collection of flies. Um, so um, yeah, th those are available. At and just to mention what I think is the most extraordinary one, there's an, art, an artist named Nikki McClure who um, I've sold her books for many years and she's a paper cut artist. Um, and when you see her art in person and hold it in your hands, where she has basically cut away to leave behind this fragile, beautiful piece of art, um, it's just extraordinary. And she donated a piece um, that she had used some Columbia sportswear um, and it's butterflies and it's it's so beautiful my, my house I have seven pieces of her art in my house um, and um, somebody could get a very very special piece of art with a contribution um, and I'm hoping people will will do that and, and will reach out and if they want to reach me directly for reeling and recovery it's just Andy at reelingandrecovery.org and I can be reached that way Go to thefebruaryroom.com where you can access a complete library of our podcast and read more about our guests, their fishing stories, and favorite fly patterns. We're always looking for exceptional fly fishing yarns, and if you have one to spin, shoot us an email at info at thefebruaryroom.com. The February Room is always free, but if you feel like throwing a nickel in the pond, we appreciate any additional listener support. For companies and individuals interested in sponsorship opportunities, please contact us for our media kit. Thanks for stopping by the February Room, and we'll see you down here next week.